Hawks Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Hawks Live every Thursday right here from Lumenfield at 7 o'clock on 710 ESPN. It's been a while, Paul, but we are back in action. The folks had a couple weeks off, but now they got to deal with us again. They've been depressed. <laughs> I'll be honest. I, I got a lot of people saying, when are you guys back on? You guys said at least, hey, if you're not going to be on Thursday night, then be on during the day. During the day. And I said, look, I don't, uh, they don't, they don't ask me. They don't I ask just, Hey, Hey, we just show up. We do. They tell us to be here at Lumen, and now we are here at Lumen, and we're talking football. And we're talking. Is that the first time you said that? Uh, on air, yes. Yeah, on air, yes. Because uh, it was CenturyLink before that. It, when I was playing, it was Quest and now Link, but now it's Lumen. So that's what we're going to call it, Paul Moyer. And we get to talk about an eight and three football team who went to Philly and got it done. At one point in the game, it looked like it might be what? What was the the score? Nineteen to the seven or something crazy like that. That two games in a row. Seventeen that was the score. to nine. Yeah, seventeen and nine. That's what it looked like it was going to be, but it ended up twenty three to seventeen in a big reason for that offensively was DK Metcalf and defensively it was just a defense they, in a hole by by far their best game yeah and, and actually they've been playing better I would even say the last three and a half games you know we talked about this on the, the pregame on uh, on Sunday you know and now spilling over to this last game their last three and a half games if you take the second half go against Buffalo yep. and, and got the Rams Arizona and Philly uh they're giving up 297 yards a game if you if you took that second half and and averaged it out to, for an actual game so they are playing much better and and against good teams someone said well is it your the, the opponents i go well, the Rams are a top 10 offense. Arizona was the number one offense. Yeah. Buffalo is a very good offense. The only one that really was struggling was Philly. And we took care of business. And it was still Philly. If you go and look at their points and uh, yards, it's particularly through three quarters, is the worst they they'd been all year. So, you know, while they were struggling, we, we made them struggle even more. I, I like what we're doing. It, I feel like we're having fun again. Yes. It, it, it was not fun those first, you know, seven games, six games of the year. You know, you're you're on a historic pace for the worst defense in the history of the NFL, and they've righted that. Matter of fact, uh, if not for that last drive, we wouldn't even be dead last in defense right now, which I said would be hard to do for us to pull ourselves out of that hole because, you know, when you're giving up over 500 yards the first three or four games of the year, that's a tough hole to climb out of. So I think we're back to what we thought we were going to be. We're healthy. You got Griffin. You got Jamal, who's now knows his role. We got Dunlap. A um, lot of good moving pieces. You got Jordan Brooks, the rookie who's, yeah. who's playing well, and Bobby Wagner. I mean, the last couple games. I thought this last game, even though the 49er game early in the year, he made some plays in the sacks. I actually thought this was his best game in the year. Yeah, and turnover, digs, turnover in yeah. the red zone. If there wasn't a turnover in the red zone, that would have been 18 straight games that the Hawks did not get a turnover in the red zone. So that was nice to see wow. I would like to see him get his ad read on and, and scurry on out that end zone and take it 100, 200, 3 yards. But he, he took the knee. He did the smart thing. But it's nice to see this defense offensively. DK Metcalf, man, I mean – Look, they say, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take our best corner. He's going to follow you. We're going to press you early. What they do, DK, DK hit him with a couple slants. By the third series, Slay was then playing six yards off. But also in that first series, Slay got a personal foul. One of their defensive linemen got a personal foul. Cheap shot, too. Yeah, that, that, that was, was horrible. That was, DK has a target on his back, and it's just because he's balling. 
Like what? I, I think he makes DBs insecure, Paul. Well, he's a big man. He might make me insecure back in the day. Well, we didn't face anybody that big. I mean, he's six four, whatever. You know, probably close to six five, two hundred. And they say he's two hundred and thirty six, thirty seven pounds. He looks bigger than that to me. You know, the, comparing him obviously to to Calvin Johnson back in the day. Calvin had nineteen hundred yards. I think his sixth or seventh year in the season, which is is remarkable. Yeah. I'm ask you this because you know, I watched DK and you know he's. As great as he is, man, he's going to get better. Yes, he's he going to get better. He ran a, a a slant and go. I go, eh, he's going to get better in that route. I didn't sell it very well. At times, he gets a little, I don't I don't, I don't know if the right word's lazy. I just say he doesn't get his hands in the right position, and he drops some easy ball. He dropped one in the end zone. Uh, would have been an easy touchdown. Um, so what is it? It, it? Everybody knows he's fast. Yeah. But he doesn't necessarily look that fast until you watch him haul down um, Buddha Baker mm-hmm. or you watched him run by Slay, who you go, who could flat out run, right? And he just pulls away. It's effortless. Is it because you think people, it's deceptive speed? They think, oh, I got this. I'm, I'm in a good cushion. Yeah. I think it's, I think it comes down to a stride. Because you look at a big man's stride. He's eating up five yards every stride and a half. Or as a guy like me, 5'11", it's going to take me three, two and a half to eat up that five yards. So when you look at it, it looks like he's not moving that fast until he gets up on you. You know, it's kind of like a like a fastball. It doesn't look like it's coming in hot and then it blows by. You're like, okay, I got to respect that. And I think that's what it is with DK. It looks effortless. So his body language says he's not moving that fast. But then when you feel him, you're like, okay, I got to get on my horse. And that's what happened to Slay. There was a the first big play. Was it the first drive? I think it was the first well, drive. There was a couple. The, well, the biggest play was the fourth drive, third drive, whatever it was, and it was a third down play, and they blitzed. Went up top. And, yeah, yeah they, they the, I think the free safety misplayed it. He dropped down looking for uh, Tyre Lockin on a deep cross. But I think he also thought, eh, Slay's got this. Mm-hmm. He's a great corner. He, he was on the upfield shoulder. And then he wasn't. They don't believe it. All right, so you're DB, safety, you've done this, right? I feel like defenses don't believe in DK at this point. Now, mm. if you are on the other end, second mm. year, he's got, he got what, 27 games under his belt. Are you buying what he's selling at this point? Well, considering Calvin Johnson is considered one of the greatest, and I, 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 I never want to say someone's the greatest. He's, he's one of the top five greatest wide receivers of all time, Certainly statistically, he's crushing him the first two years. DK yeah. is. He's got more yards, more catches, more TDs. Um, he's you know he's still got a long way to go to catch some of his uh, Calvin Johnson's best years. I I don't I don't think anybody underestimates him. Sometimes you underestimate speed mm-hmm. until it's there. And I, I'll give you one example. We were playing Philadelphia. Back really? a long time ago, probably before you were born. And <laughs> I'll do the math on that one. And we were playing them, and we're up by six points. There's a minute left. Eugene Robinson and I were playing the, the, the deep safeties. And Randall Cunningham is scrambling around. Now, Randall's one of the few guys who can run towards the sideline and flick the ball 75, 80 yards. Yeah. Kenny Jackson is running down the middle. He was one of the fastest wide receivers at the time. I Eugene and I both have a, a nice cushion, five yards. You know, when I'm in motion, there's not a lot of guys that are going to outrun me by five yards back then. Man, all of a sudden the ball was in the air, and now it's past 60 yards. And now it's past 65 <laughs> yards. And I we just underestimated that 
okay, he's not only super fast. I mean, he, he would beat us by five, six, seven yards in a 100-yard dash. And I just think that's where, where DK is, is. They look at him, they go, yeah, he's good. Mm-hmm. He's strong. Um, he runs good slant routes. I just don't think you can appreciate the speed until you're actually live against it. And then it. they start. That's where the cushions start to come in. Yeah. And look, I think the Seahawks are going to get so much better. Uh, so let me flip this way. We, we all, all right. know what DK's doing. Okay. Uh, it's... Look, he's he's going to break Steve Largent's record most yards in uh, a season. I mean, that's I man. You're talking about a Hall of Fame. We're we're here in the Verizon Lounge, and we're looking up at the Ring of Honor, and there's Steve Largent way over there. And you know, all, every record imaginable that you know, DK if he stays healthy with the Seahawks going to break. Um, but what's going on with Tyler? I mean, it's been DK one game, Tyler the next. DK one game, Tyler the next. This is the first time where. You know that didn't switch, and uh, I felt like they 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 were jamming him a little bit, you know, and, and maybe frustrating. You know what it is, Paul? What us small us small guys? We got to work harder, baby. <laughs> you come down and presses. It's 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 we're in the same weight class. You know what I mean? You look at Slay. Slay was pressing DK to start the game, then he started backing up, backing up, backing up. When you line up against sixteen, you look at him. You go, okay, I'm gonna get all up in his kitchen. I'm gonna make a sandwich. He's not gonna do nothing about it. So I think when it comes to man, that face. Favors DK. You, it comes to zone that favors Lockett, and like you mentioned off air, we're going to see a bit more zone against the New York Giants. So maybe this is the game that Lockett reasserts himself into this offense. This will be a, a an interesting game. The Giants, who are four and seven, uh, they're still fighting for the NFC East. You know, lead. They did lose their quarterback Jones, which is going to hurt him a lot. He's very mobile guy. I mean, he way more mobile than I even anticipated. And, you know, you got Colt McCoy that none of us knew was still in the league is going to be the quarterback this week but it's going to be a, a it's going to be a patient game uh, that we haven't seen in a while for our offense because they run a true shell, cover two, a lot of cover two, soft cover two also. They don't have their corners up jamming the whole way. So they're keeping everything underneath, and they're going to make you go 10, 11 plays. Uh, so it could be a lot of Russell to be very patient. It'll come eventually, yeah. but maybe the first quarter two, you're not going to get that big explosive play. All right, you got to be patient. Me and Paul have been patient for two weeks, we but we're been. back we're now. Back. Baby, we're back. All right, coming up next, we'll get an opponent preview from Paul Schwartz right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks Live every Thursday right here from Lumen Field at 7 o'clock on 710 ESPN with me, Michael Bumpus, and my guy, Paul Moyer. This music's from the 80s, Paul. You should know this, Paul. It's look, from you the know, 80s. You know, and you used to pop like, didn't you? Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. You know who might pop like? Paul Schwartz. He's got a good first name. Paul, how you doing, man? Hey, guys. Hey, guys. How's everything there? You ready for a uh, battle of first place teams on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> we, we are, man. By the way, thanks for staying up, man. I know it's late for you back east, and, and uh, thanks for joining us. It is kind of weird, though, that we are two first place teams. We, we played one last week, sort of, in Philadelphia. And you forget they're playing for first place. And it's not like they guys are just walking out for practice. So we, we expect a tough game. What about you? Well, um, you know, I would expect a slightly tougher game if uh, Daniel Jones could play. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, look, Daniel Jones is not Russell Wilson, but as you guys know, 
starters are starters for a reason. Backups are backups for a reason. But yeah, I mean, you look at the Giants and you say they're four and seven. They should be battling to what? Stay out of last place. But the NFC East is what it is. So um, I think it adds a little something down the stretch. I've covered the Giants for a lot of years. And the last three years, uh, December, these games were not meaningful. They were playing out the string. They were playing in empty buildings. And, you know, when they played uh, another team in a division, they had 20,000 fans from the other team there. Obviously, we don't have fans, unfortunately, at all this year. But, um, you know, these are meaningful games. There's playoff uh, implications. So it, it adds something to it. But we do have to remember it's still a 4-17. and 17. Still a 4-17, and 17, but you got some ballers over there. Blake Martinez, he's leading the league, or one of the league leaders when it comes to tackles. What have you seen out of this guy so far? You know what? This has been a tremendous free agent class. Dave Gettleman, the uh, uh, general manager, gets some heat for some of the things he's done, but he signed James Bradbury, who's been terrific. He signed Blake Martinez, who's been you know, it's kind of interesting, guys, because very rarely, I'm not a big believer in you sign guys and kind of like import a leader. You know, I think leaders have to be developed. This guy walked in and became a leader, and he did it through Zoom, which is like virtually impossible. He's among the lead leaders and tackles. He just gets it. He and the defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, they work together a little bit in Green Bay. They are like thing one and thing two. You know what I mean? They have this, They have one mind, and they just share it. Um, everything the coordinator wants, Blake Martinez gets. So he is the classic inside linebacker, set the defense up, and he can make plays. Um, he's a really good player, and um, they they uh, think they got a steal for $10 bucks a year for Blake Martinez. He didn't exactly fit with the scheme in, in Green Bay, but he's perfect in uh, with the Giants. If if this was a normal year and he could hold court at his locker, I think he'd be a big star. Um, maybe that's coming next year. You know, the, the, there's been a few special team coaches, obviously Harbaugh being one of the very successful head coaches. Joe, Joe Judge, I'm, you know, it was a surprise hire, and, and, and maybe his toughness nowadays, you know, got uh, overblown. But, you know, just talk about that transition, and, you know, has everybody bought into his system and, and his leadership, you know, whatever, I don't want to say ability, but his type of leadership? You know, I think this special teams thing, I think it's very interesting because, you know, I don't like when you watch these head coaches, right, and they got their head buried in, especially the offensive guys, right, they got their head buried in that laminated sheet in front of them and they're looking up and they're calling the plays and they're radioing in. And I'm thinking to myself, can you put your eyes up and watch the whole darn game? You know, get a feel for the game. Joe Judge has never been an offensive coordinator. He's never been a defensive coordinator. He doesn't have his... His, his eyes or his hands locked on anything. He's watching the game. He's coaching the game. Now, you got to have a good coordinators to do that, and he, I think he does. Um, he's good. I, I think he's done a good job so far. Yeah, he, he's a disciplined, tough guy. He's not Bill Belichick. You know, he's not trying to be. Uh, a lot was made of the, uh, you know, the laps he made the guys run in training camp. Was Way too much was made out of that. I think these guys have bought in big time. Look, they've won three straight after a rough start. Yeah, Paul, these guys are battling. And when I watch film, another guy who I see battle is Evan Ingram. I think that if he was on a different team, he'd get a lot more love. What do you see out of Ingram? You know what I see and what you just said? I see that you're not in New York. <laughs> you're, you, you're not in New York. He is not. He is not. The apple of these fans' eyes. You know, don't forget he was a first-round draft pick. He had a really good rookie year. He's been a tease. Uh, he's had some injury problems. 
Uh, he dropped a pass earlier this year against the, the Eagles that would have clinched the game for the Giants. Just a beautiful floater right in his hand. So uh, you're right. He had a big game last week, but he also was stripped for a fumble. So Giants fans are very mixed on him. They, they, when you mention Evan Ingram's name, it's like, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, he, he, he doesn't show enough. He's talented, but he's not a winner. So um, fans here have issues with him. I can see that is, a, that is a Seattle point of view, and it's not the wrong point of view. I'm just saying that's a fresh set of eyes looking at a guy who's got a lot of talent. But in New York, in New Jersey, people have some issues with him. Hey, well, Paul, you let those New Yorkers know when they're done with them, we'll gladly take them here in Seattle. He's got a job out <laughs> I, here. Look, I don't know. I had him on my fantasy football team two years in a row. and he, killer. Um, He's a killer. He, no. Yes, that's, that's guys in New Jersey, guys in New York, and guys in Seattle who have him on their fantasy teams are not happy with that. It's all mine, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. No, there's been some disappointment. But when you watch him on film i mean he's he he does pop i mean he's he's a he's a tough matchup uh as you mentioned he's he's a skilled guy that uh, probably is underperformed injuries all that stuff you know he's what, also by the way he is a great guy he was yeah. a he was a tough stand-up guy as a rookie you know i'm not in a position where you're supposed to root for guys i root for evan ingram because he is a class act he's a gentleman he doesn't have a big ego you, you want those guys to do well and he is talented so maybe he can put it all together you, you lose jones you lose barkley you know we mentioned a couple guys who are are good players and again they, you guys giants have lost some tough games we, we were watching the film uh, earlier today and we go god they're sound you know you, you got to go beat them but talk about some guys maybe that uh, our listeners don't know anything about that are, are having good years uh, let's see. Well, I mentioned Bradbury. You know, I mean, I guess your listeners know a little bit about him. You know, I don't think he got a lot of publicity in Carolina, but he's to look. He's getting sixteen million a year, right? They 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 didn't go on the cheap for him. They paid him big money. Uh, he's terrific. I mean, can he hang with DK Metcalf snap for snap? Well, Darius Slay couldn't last week. Probably not, but uh, he's pretty good. You know, he's he's probably right at a Pro Bowl level. Um, you know, the guy, one guy who's been very polarizing in New York, Leonard Williams, first with the Jets and now with the Giants. Um, you know, he's on a $16 million franchise tag. He's been terrific. Six sacks, leads the team. He's in a salary drive here. He's good against the run. A good, solid player can make plays. And uh, there are two safeties, Jabril Peppers, the guy from the Browns, part of the Odell Beckham trade. Logan Ryan, who was uh, with the uh, Titans, was with the Patriots, was unemployed for most of the offseason till the Giants signed him. He is another one of those guys, instant leader, smart. The two safeties are smart, sharp guys. And so, uh, you know, that's on defense. And offensively, I think their offensive line is getting better. You know, watch Andrew Thomas, the uh, number four pick, the left tackle from Georgia. He had a rough debut in the NFL. He's getting better and better. I think he's going to be a really solid player. There is one guy coming back. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Golden Tate. We're uh, we're interested yep. in to see him. Uh, we wish you could be here. This COVID thing sucks, and uh, wish you guys were traveling and would have liked to have had a beer with you and talked a little more about uh, a couple of the players. 
to Seattle. I've covered playoff games there. I've covered Giants games there. It's beautiful. That facility with the the lake or the river running through it. It's uh, it's um, yeah. I mean, it's what we do. You're supposed to go to games. You're not supposed to sit home and watch them. But uh, you know, God willing, next year we'll all be doing it, right? Well, Paul, we appreciate your time. When I think of New York, I think of taxi cab confessions, and you just hooked us up with one right there, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for staying up late. Have a good one, man. Anytime, guys. Thank you. All right. Coming up next, we chat with Seahawks defensive back Ugo Almighty right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. All in my Hey, hey, Hawks Live right here on 17 ESPN. We're broadcasting from Lumen Field. Me, Michael Bumpus, with my right-hand man, Paul Moyer. Let's not forget NASA Chobi on the ones and twos back there. All right. Coming up next, we got Ugo Amadi. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm good, man. Thanks for joining us. This is the first question I want to ask you, Ugo. You from Nashville, yeah. Tennessee. How did you end up at Oregon? <laughs> what got you to go to Oregon, man? Man, it's so funny you asked that because literally my teammate DJ Dow was asking me that after practice. Like, how'd you end up all the way at Oregon, all the way from Nashville, Tennessee? Well, uh, long story short, I had a, just a crazy recruiting process. I committed to Ole Miss, a senior year of high school. Things didn't go out well between me and Ole Miss. I ended up flipping from Ole Miss. No, I ended up decommitting from Ole Miss and signing with LSU, John Chavis, and, um, Next mouth came to my my house in my high school when I became from LSU. I mean, from Ole Miss, and they came to my house and talked to me, and they they gave me an offer, and I committed there. And then after I committed, 24 hours later, uh, John Chavis took the DC job at A and M, and then I was like really stuck in between like what college I I should go to because I'm already graduated high school early, so I'm at home at this point, and I'm just flipping through schools like Tennessee didn't want me. Um, and uh, that was gonna be my that was my option to go to. LSU didn't want me. We wanted to go to Tennessee. They were like, nah, we can't take you. And then I started looking at the other doors and other teams. But I already done with your class. And then um, my trainer, you know, he texted uh, Jim Harbaugh's assistant at the time in Michigan, and he said, Hey, I got this four-star DB in student program. Are you gonna take him or give him an offer or a visit? And he gets a text back and says, oh, I'm not such and such, but I need DBs bad in this class. And that text message, I still went, from, went to Oregon and not to Michigan. And that's how I ended up at Oregon. What you say about it? Mistake, accident. <laughs> Wait, so so you went to Oregon sight unseen? You never visited it and committed? Never visited it. It was a sight unseen, like a blind date. They, when, I, <laughs> when I committed there, they sent me like a Twitter video of like what Austin Stadium looks like. And it was like you could move your phone and you could do like a whole 360. Like they sent me so many links to what the facility looked like. It was like crazy. It was like, I, was just, I fell in love through my phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't show you downtown Eugene in that video, did they? <laughs> nah, no, 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 Everything, bright colors, Jordan this, Mikey that. <laughs> No, it, it it is often um, a, a head scratcher for me. Bumpus went to Washington State. I went to Arizona State, which you should have went to, by the way. Um, and 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 my best friend went to Oregon, and he always talks about Oregon. I've been to Eugene a million times, and I get the uniforms and I get the facilities. 
But I go, man, they're not taking them down to downtown Eugene. There's, there's no way. I never quite got the understanding of that part. But, um, you know, it was a good choice for you because Lombardi Award winner, you know, unbelievable college, you know, career. And, and now here are the Seahawks. I'll talk a little bit about Nashville still because, you know, that is SEC country, which is amazing. I went to Nashville for the really the first time this year to visit it. I've been for football games and stuff, but um, that, that place. Place has grown up quite a bit. Is it? Is it changed since even you've been like in high school? Because that is a growing town. Yeah, that place is still growing. Uh, downtown's getting even bigger. You know, a lot of people are having a bachelorette party there in, in Nashville. And you know, last year we had the draft party there. So Nashville is definitely a place that people to come and visit. Even my DB coach Nick. He named his child after Nashville. His name is his son's name is Nash because he had a fun time with his wife when they were in Nashville when he was, during his playing days. So that just goes to show like how, how how such a good time you can have in Nashville. It has become a little bit like Vegas, Broadway Street, and you know with all the bars. Is, is there a, a favorite yeah. place for you there? Um, I I really would go to Broadway. And like since I've been coming back, when I left, when I started coming back in uh, in college on my breaks, I would always go to the Gulch. The Gulch is like a really nice, like high end place where they have the restaurants. So like it's just a different scenery than the Gulch versus Broadway. <laughs> okay, one last question before I let Bump ask you some football questions. I because so, Nashville is country. Now I mm-hmm. I know your favorite song is from Lil Baby Freestyle. So country, <laughs> you yeah. got any country in you? No, nah, no country in me at all. Man. Okay, uh, I know people people assume that, but you know I see why, so I can't blame them. But no, nah, I heard the little baby playing too. I, I, I thought it was my fault playing music, huh? but it wasn't. I heard it. By the way, that was my pick for you. Just want you to know, not bumps, not I NASA. I'm taking the credit. There you go. I appreciate that. That's love. There hey, you go. hey, hey, Ugo, we're learning, Paul. We're learning him. You know, we're getting him right. You know, what I'm so he can okay. hit the block and hit the eye. Hey, man, so you played safety at Oregon. How are you feeling that nickel spot? You selling in because you're looking good, man. I I feel comfortable with you out there. You're always in the right spot. You're making the plays. How are you feeling that nickel spot? Um, I feel like I'm just starting to grow on me. I'm starting to slow down my mind and, you know, and be able to react to what I see. And I feel like that's my strong suit. You know, whenever I see it, I react like a thousand miles per hour. And that's pretty much is what's been uh, getting me and putting me in good places. You know, just slow my mind down and let stuff just come to me. It is it is a jump, you know, that rookie year to your second year. Things seem to slow mm-hmm. down. But I, I've been watching you in coverage and – you know, I've always thought you—you you know, you have the quickness. You know, you have the ball skills. Mm-hmm. You read the quarterback well. But what do you? What are you more comfortable in man or zone? Uh, I can, I really feel comfortable in both, to be honest with you. And I always, you know, you know, we're such a zone team, but I also prepare myself every week to play a lot of man. That's just me because I never wanted to be at all comfortable with just uh, I want to be able to do do everything, you know, so the coaches and my teammates can trust that uh, whatever call we make, you know. We're going to be able to, you know, handle that, handle that situation. You know, with Jamal Adams, uh, the trade, you know, and obviously you guys blitz a lot with him. Uh, you know, last week, mm-hmm. I, you know, you guys played zone, you played man. I saw you guys uh, disguise some things where you dropped in the deep half a couple times. Uh, I don't know if you guys were zone blitzing it, but you know, dropped Jamal down, I think, and you went to deep half. You guys, are you doing a lot more this year? Is it, is it different for you than compared to last year defensively? Yeah, we're definitely doing a lot more. We're definitely disguising 
you know, blessings coming from one way, or you may think I'm blessing somebody else's blessing, or I'm blessing somebody else, may act like they're blessing. So I feel like this year is definitely a year we got in, like, we got, we got in the chemistry down, uh, we're starting to play, play fast, and, you know, we're starting to be athletes, starting to be real bad players. Hey, Ugo, one of the things that I appreciate about not having fans at the game is that I get to hear the chatter on the football field. And this defense, man, the last couple of weeks, the swag is different, man. I'm feeling it. I mean, does it feel different out there? You guys kind of finding your stride and figuring out who you are? Yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, we definitely find our swag. Um, you know, we just, we're still chopping the wood every week, you know. We, every week we have a reason to get better. We have something to work on to get better at, you know. And, you know, we're definitely coming along. Russian coach is definitely coming together for sure. You know, we we heard about, we've all had, played this game. We've had player meetings when things aren't going right. You have team meetings. And, you know, a week ago you guys had this accountability meeting. Um, what, what did that mean to you? What what was, uh, you can answer that if you want. Is that food? The, oh, no, 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 you good, you good. Accountability, you know what I mean? You said, you said, what does it mean to us? Yeah, what did it, mean, it mean? What did that meeting mean? What, why was? Why did Pete think that was a different meeting than ones he's he's been a part of? Um, I feel like that that meeting is uh, what do we need is what we needed. Um, um, it helped us, you know, come together. Uh, you know what we need to work on and and make sure that we can count on one another. You know, that's the biggest thing too. And uh, I feel like that meeting was necessary, and that's what we needed to do. Ugo, you're one of the, the younger guys on the team, but you had a year without COVID. You had a year with COVID. Um, are you blessing these young guys with some knowledge of how to stay in? I mean, you're, you're at the age to where you still want to go out, you still want to do your thing, but you, you, you're required to be responsible right now. What's your role in this whole situation? Uh, my role in this whole situation, especially talking to rookies, you know, is just talking to them uh, how to handle themselves off the field. You know, it's different you know, because of COVID and everything. So you really have to protect the house. You know, you got to make sure uh, you could uh, bring in those white people around you, you know, because we want to keep everybody, you know, COVID-free, you know. And so far we've been doing a good job at it. And, you know, the rookies, you know, um, they can always hit there's something called the rookie, the rookie block where, you know, after a certain week, you know, the rookies start slacking and all that stuff, but you can't do that because they're not used to playing two college seasons and one, and one season in the NFL. So, you know, and just uh, motivating them that and make sure they continue to pick up uh, where they started. Uh, rumor has it your favorite movie is The Longest Yard, but I need to know, because that's one of my favorite of all time, but it may be a different movie. Is it the original, or is it the one with Adam Sandler and the latest one? You know, I, I had to, to have know. Adam Sandler. You know, it's crazy. I, and when we were in Philadelphia, I watched that movie twice in one day right before the game. Did you? <laughs> I love it. But that's okay. a good one. That's a good one, Ugo. Hey, man, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. And uh, two eight man, get it done this weekend. We'll be rooting for you. I appreciate y'all for having me again. Thanks, man. All right, coming up next, we got you covered with all things Seahawks and the NFL. As a professor, John Clayton joins us next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live every Thursday from seven to nine, live on air on seven ten ESPN Seattle. Hawks Live every Thursday, seven to nine, right here on seven ten ESPN at Lumen Field. I'm Michael Bumpus. He's Paul Moore. That's what do we got? What do we have? That's Brickhouse playing in the background there, we go. there Paul. Brickhouse. We're getting funky, so you know we're going to John Clayton. Yeah. John, how you doing, man? I'm doing funky good. <laughs> funky, funky good, good like it should. Like oh, you got bars, John. We're going to make you a rapper here sooner or later, John. I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> hey, John. Um, by the way, I'm tight with Little Wayne. 
Are you? Are you? How's well, that? not really. It's like I've, I've, <laughs> I've tried to have him on uh, schooled with a professor, but he's he always kind of having a little cigarette and uh, not getting a chance to call back. But back back in the Super Bowl in Jacksonville, I was walking out of the ESPN party, and there was this big disturbance in back of me. And I'm looking back, and it's like uh, little Wayne is trying to jump a barrier trying to get to me. And it's like because uh, he was doing some interview stuff for ESPN, and so it's like he wanted me to come up there. And so it's like I did. We sat there, and you know, uh, everybody was walking by saying, what's the geeky white guy doing with, uh, <laughs> with little Wayne? John, I'm going to go on a limb and say that was not a cigarette he was smoking. But <laughs> I, I was trying to be polite about it. Let's and, get and John, by the way, they call me the geeky white guy, too. So, so you're in good company. Yes. All good. John, what are your thoughts on Trey Flowers? Now, he's filled in for Quentin Dunbar. I think he's done a good job. He held Hopkins to five catches, 50 yards. We didn't call his name much last week. Overall thoughts on Trey Flowers? Yeah, I think he's done good because I think what they're doing is they're allowing him to go back to what he does the best, which is do some more man, you know, because he's good with his hands. He stays with the receiver, all those different things. And I think sometimes it gets a little bit messed up in zone. So I think the more man he plays, the better it is. I mean, I look at him as particularly with that big, long reach as being somebody that, uh, you know, can carry a guy from the line of scrimmage, you know, 10, 15 yards downfield. And so I think the more they allow him him to do that, the better. Now what you worry about is that he's got the hamstring injury that's kept him out of practice the last couple of days, and so he may not be able to play, but you hope he does. But again, the key for this team right now is getting as healthy and as talented as they can for the Ram game, because again, they're taking on three more teams that they should be able to beat, but uh, you know, you don't want to lose too much, because right now the secondary, particularly at cornerback, is thin. I want to talk defense, but I'm going to make a little detour first because the news today, Josh Gordon uh, is going to be allowed to play the last two games. And just one, what does that mean? And two, how does that whole pro- – why, why are they waiting till the two games – before the season, if they if they've made the decision, why can't he play next week? Uh, because well, they, they, it's usually a two week period on the exempt list before you can come once you come off a of suspension. Because particularly now, I mean, he's going to take him five days to get tested with the COVID uh, tests and all that, and so then it gives him a week to kind of you know see how he is in shape and all that. And so that's kind of the way it is. And you know, they they did the same thing with Randy Gregory, only they let him know earlier and got him more public. I mean, this was the most quiet thing that you can have. I feel for sorry for Josh and I. I hope that when Josh has his first interview that he opens up and says, hey, tell us what happened, because no, the league's not going to say anything because of the union. And that's you know one of the policies that they have to stay quiet for the most part until the suspension is either given or lifted. And the team's not going to say anything, I guess, out of you know, better, better for him. But obviously things didn't go right for uh, most of the first 13 weeks. But now apparently he's done enough to be able to do it. Now, I know in the offseason, particularly when he started to apply, there may not have been enough t- testers out there because of the COVIDs to be able to test him. And so that could be a problem. But, uh, you know, you might, he might have had a couple tests. He might have done something wrong. That one we just don't know. But for the Seahawks, it's great to get him back because you get, particularly in the last two games, which is so important, the Rams and the 49ers, you know, he's going to be a great asset. And also then he can be available for the playoffs. You know, not to beat it too much because, you know, sometimes the NFL, you're just going, you know, the decisions they make. But obviously things don't just fit in a box. Do you think, let's just say it, it's nothing major maybe it was it was just marijuana it do you think it was just the number of times that he had issues it, it, rather than the actual event i guess 
Could be, but also remember, when he got the suspensions, and I say plural, last year, he had one that was for the uh, substance, which you figure is going to be marijuana, and the second was going to be for a PED. So maybe it's not out of the question. He got a couple PEDs. Maybe he got the marijuana. Maybe they stri- – and again, one thing is with the marijuana, they, they're not – penalizing that anymore that's just a fine so i don't know if he predates things i mean there's so many loose issues in this right now that josh if you're listening make sure you kind of explain it to us all so we all understand who knows what's going on john who knows let's talk about russell wilson now the last couple of weeks he's been a little conservative when it comes to i guess his decision making do you feel like not being in the mvp race has kind of allowed him to not feel like he has to force the ball down the field. Well, I, I think that uh, you know he kind of learned from the three out of four games where he had the ten turnovers, and so I think that uh, you know just to concentrate. But also think about what he's had to go through. I mean, first two weeks in the Arizona game, he had to play with uh, Damian Lewis at center, and Damian hadn't been at center since junior college, and so here he was making a quick transition. And you know you can see he was a little bit shaky on it. Did as good of a job as you can expect for somebody that hadn't done it since junior college, and so you're you do this and of course here they're playing a good Philadelphia Eagles defense that has a good pass rush and you don't have your right tackle Brandon Shell and so that became a little bit of a problem and I think that you know the big thing that he wanted to make sure is like okay what's more important right now the MVP race where he's still in the top three he's probably you know behind uh, Aaron Rodgers and uh, Patrick Mahomes right now but he's still good enough right now to be in the top three and he can still finish strong particularly if he gets wins and touchdown passes to be able to still get that MVP, but I think what he's more worried about is keep the touchdowns up and try to keep the turnovers down. John, is this the first year he gets a vote? Well, he always gets a vote. It's just a matter that and that's a misinterpretation because you know I'm on the AP 50 and uh, you know what it is is that uh, they only put out the winner. They don't put out the votes. And so because of that, uh, you know, it looks like, you know, he's ignored. But usually what happens, and I know one of the questions that was asked me today was, okay, so what are the main criteria? Well, certainly wins and being a number one, number two seed for a quarterback is the, the one of the most important. And if you have a lot of touchdown passes, that's the most important or a lot of stats. And so, you know, the, you figure whether it's going to be Aaron Rodgers, whether it's going to be Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson, you know, the, the quarterback with the most wins I think has the best chance to be able to do it because remember you vote at the end of the season you don't vote into the playoffs you're not taking any of the playoff games into account you know that obviously the defense struggled early in the year last three and a half games pretty good actually if you average it out there under 300 yards a game uh over that that time frame and they've had some guys get to play i mean dj reed got to play uh you had uh, uh ryan neal got to play when jamal adams was hurt now you got ugo amadi back um just talk about some injuries here one where's quentin dunbar and when he comes back, does he take over the starting spot? I don't think he takes over the starting spot. It depends on who's healthy and who's not. Like, for example, if Trey Flowers is still nursing the hamstring injury, then it would go over to Dunbar. But uh, you know, technically, what Pete was saying this week is that he's healthy enough right now probably to be able to play, but they put him on the list for three weeks, and so he needs one more week to serve, and so he should be back for the, for the New York Jet game. But I think that, you know, uh, but he's definitely set right now for the Ram game. How much he plays is going to be depending on how that knee is and how well he can do. John, the 49ers found a new home in Arizona. Are you surprised that Santa Clara did not make an exception 
for this team to play football. I am because it's pretty strict, but then it was really the county that did that, and that's why Stanford and a couple of the other colleges had to lose their ability to practice and their ability to uh, have home games. And so that was more the county than anything else. But they've been so strict. And, you know, there's still a little resentment right now between the San Jose politicians and the 49ers. And that's a little bit of a problem. But right now, I still like the story that Kyle Shanahan said, for the three weeks you're going to be in Arizona, is this going to be a bonding thing for the team? And he looked at him and says, you know, he kind of scrungled a little bit. He says, no, it's like. After the Saints game, what we ended up doing is having nine players, like almost eight or nine players or a bunch of players having a 30-minute dinner together, and nine guys got on the COVID's list because of it. So, no, there's no bonding going to be in this three-week period. John, real quick about uh, Dunlap, just a quick update. What do, what do we know about him? Oh, right now, I, I, I think it's going to be shaky because he's got the foot injury. hasn't practiced the last couple of days. I think they're going to be cautious about it. But Pete Carroll did say he does think he has a chance to play. So I guess we'll see what he can do tomorrow and then what he can do in the pregame warm-ups. All right, John, my favorite time. It's your time. What do you want to talk about? Well, I tell you, nobody's asked me about some of the Pro Bowl voting right now and where the Seahawks stand. And so the list came out today that the fan vote, and right now the DK Metcalf is third, second in the NFC, right behind DeAndre Hopkins. Russell Wilson, of course, number two overall. Uh, you know, you got Tyler Lockett at the eighth pick, but he's like the fifth pick in the NFC. You know, right now the best special teams player is Belor. He's uh, right now at the highest vote. That's kind of interesting. Thing. You know, Bobby Wagner's obviously in here. Here's one that uh, Quint, uh, De- De- DeAndre Diggs uh, is right now number two uh, as the free safety, so he has a chance. You know, Jamal Adams is going to be in there. You got Michael Dixon as the number two punter, uh, and so uh, Jam- so I think they're going to come out pretty well in the Pro Bowl. It's not going to be like eight or nine, but they're going to do great. Dwayne Brown right now is number five in the voting, so he has a chance to maybe get into the Pro Bowl. So there's some things we can count on, John. We can count on Seahawks being represented in the Pro Bowl, and we can count on you keeping it funky, baby. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us, John. Makes my funks a P-funk. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. Okay. Thanks, John. All right, has the NFL figured out Kyler Murray? Is Tom Brady the problem in Tampa? It's about to get live. Paul Moore and I will talk that talk coming up next on Hawks Live. Hawks, Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Say it with your chest. It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. Let's talk that talk. Michael Bumpus, Paul Moyer. We're in the ring. We are. Kind of like Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. Um, I'm Mike Tyson. <laughs> Maverick, this is our eighth time, I think, doing this. And this isn't a competition, but I, I am up 7-1. to one. You're a 7-1? Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. It is subjective. Okay. All right. You know. It's, it's not like our man. Oh, don't. don't. We're, not, we're not going there. Why Look, you I love it? the man. Leave it. No, I total respect. Total respect. He doesn't remember it anyway. <laughs> And if he never watches it, he will never know he got knocked out. Oh, my God. I'm not going to comment on that. Okay, first question, Paul Moyer. Bring it. Tom Brady is the person to blame in Tampa. So, well, one, is there a problem in Tampa? But here's here's my thought on that. Look, father time, nobody gets to miss it. Nope. And he's 43 years old. And he can still play. 
but it's just the reaction time. It's the decision where you go, oh, it's there, and it's too late. I've already thrown it. Where you're younger, you just you have a sense you can pull that down. They've, it's not his fault. They need to realize he's not Tom Brady anymore. He's still a good quarterback, and you need to build an offense to let him still win. And right now they're, they're trying to play old school Tom Brady. He's not old school Tom Brady. It's his fault, Paul. So I guess this is his fault. Uh, um, but it's his de- their defense, they've been blown out two games. Two. So it can't be just him. Paul, it's his fault. All right. That's, that's, all, that's all you when, got? When you are the golden boy, the GOAT, the six Super Bowl championships, and now you're surrounded with all this talent, it's your fault. And I say it's his fault because he has influence on the coaching staff. He's not just some Players. some Joe Schmo who, look, I'm a rookie. I'm just yeah. going to fall in line and do whatever my coach is telling you. He has the authority to pull Aaron to the side and go, look, I don't like that concept. I need This is what I need to see on Sunday. This is what I saw when I watched film. So because I feel like he has more power than any other quarterback has ever had in the NFL, True. I'm going to say he's the one to blame. Do you think he's losing sleep at night with his $500 million in the bank and Giselle sleeping right next to him? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. So it can be his fault. It can be his fault. Okay. He's good with that. All right, next up, Kyler Murray. There was talk just a few weeks ago he was going to – surpass Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Russell doesn't like that, first of all. But have teams figured him out? Second year now? What's your thoughts? I think think they have. I think they're forcing him to adapt, right? What do you do as human beings? You adapt to your circumstances. Now they're blitzing the heck out of him. They're blitzing him 39% of the time. Before that, they were blitzing 17% of the time. He was able to sit back, look pretty, see what's going on, and then take off. And now there's an emphasis on keeping him inside the pocket. You compound that with him being injured. Apparently, his AC joint and his shoulders yeah. banged up. Yeah. So there are some things working against him. I wouldn't say figured out, but I would say that teams are forcing him to adapt. What do you think? I, I wrote down game of adjustments. Mm-hmm. And every mobile quarterback has gone through this. Even Russell Wilson. Uh, yeah, you, you've got to figure every t- great defensive coordinator and team is going to make you do what you don't want to do. They're going to take away your strengths. Yep. Uh, I, I remember Colin Kaepernick. People said, hey, if we can get him to run to his left, he had a hard time running to his left and squaring up to throw a football. you, you got to adjust to that. He adjusted to that. Next thing, they find another weakness. Russell Wilson's one of the few really has not had an issue. I mean, he's always had great numbers. I think the big one is Kyler Murray is not super accurate where Russell Wilson was right from the get-go. And you're right. The Seahawks started the trend. Yeah. You just bottle him up. Make him, make him throw. And I think a lot of it's his AC joint because he's been, like I said, he's been working at. Um, I don't know if they've completely figured it out, but he is going to have to make an adjustment and do and get better at what he's not good at. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's good enough to make the adjustment, but now he has to make hey, it. Hey, look, right? the guy's going to he's, – he's, he's still – yeah, he's a good quarterback. He's going to be a very good quarterback. Okay, Paul Moyer, when it's all said and done – DK will be the best receiver of his generation. Hard for me. Generation. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't see another guy like him. You know, this is a new game. Uh, you know, I'm not saying you can't be a great, phenomenal, unbelievable 5'11 wide receiver, Michael Bumpus. <laughs> But when you're 6'4", 6'5", 235 pounds, run a 4'2", can leap out of a building, yeah. have strong hands, and 
is the toughest wide receiver on the field. Not, he's not just toughest wide receiver. He's the toughest defensive back on the field. Now think about that. I got to go guard the biggest, fastest, baddest man on the planet right now. And he's tougher than me. That is not good. He's going to be the best of his generation, barring, you know, outside forces. So you mentioned 5'11". There's yeah, one 5'10". guy. 5'10". No, no. Give me, give me my 11. I was just asking. Give me my 11, I was just Paul, asking. All right? There's one guy who's small who might challenge him. Who? And that's Hill. That's Hill, man. 206 yards in the first quarter, Paul yeah, Moyer. Yeah. Like, we've never seen that. Granted, he plays in a different offense. I would like to see DK in that offense. Okay. And how they spread it, yeah. how they, you know, they're down the field and yeah. doing all that. So that makes a difference. But to see what Tyreek Hill did last week was special. No, so... When it's all said and done. All said and done. So I'm asking you. I'm going to throw this back at you. Because at some point, speed diminishes. Yep. Hill lives off speed. So does DK. No, DK lives off a bunch of things. He lives off toughness. He lives off height. He lives off his strong hand. He can go up in a crowd and pull the ball down. He'll got to beat you over the top somehow, right? Or he's got that crossing route. And he's got a, a, you know, a plethora of people around him to to help with that. And he's phenomenal today. Do you see Hill seven years from now still burning and churning and being a better receiver than DK Metcalf? You know what makes me believe that it's a possibility. I think DK is going to run away with it. But what makes it a possibility? Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown's five ten, five eleven, and he he put together seven eight seasons. How's he, how's he done the last couple of years? Hey. I'm talking about the last seven, eight prior to this. I'm just saying. Seven, eight prior. He's, there's other things going on with Antonio Brown. If he was in the right state, I feel like he would be okay. But seven, eight years of small receivers got it, got it done. Like before DK Metcalf, yeah. Antonio Brown was top three receivers in the oh, league no, every no single question. year, right? Yeah, he's, he was crazy. So that's the thing that makes me think that there's a possibility that, that Tariq Hill might do it. But I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to go with DK. So – to be the greatest of your generation, you got to have what? Work ethic? Yep. I mean, DK's He's crazy. Got work. you got to have a quarterback with you that's going to take you along the way. And look, Hill's got one too. Mm-hmm. There's just something about Hill that I think could get him off track somewhere. Okay. And I don't know what that is. Is that little man syndrome you're saying? No, same thing with AD? I, look, he's got some history <laughs> is what I'm saying, right? Okay. He's okay. got some history. All right. I understand that. DK... He's laser focused. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know, again, if he stays healthy, he has something. Ten years from now, he goes, "Yeah, I run a four four, and I'm six four, and I can still jump." Hill goes, "Yeah, I run a four five or four four. I go <laughs> at five nine. I go, that's a dime a dozen. You know, when you're the fastest man on the planet, which he probably is on for the NFL, that makes Hill special. Look, it's not easy, right? I mean, we're asking to be the best in your generation. It's yeah. not like there's no competition so for what's, this. So what's the generation? You got to go like 10 years of, yeah, I of think dominance? Ten year, or, or even his time frame. I think you can you can cut off the tails. Maybe you cut off the first year or two and then and your last two. So, you know, we get can, me more the medium. Well, with DK, you can't cut off the first two, man. That's, no, it's that's special. making his money. Oh, no, he's just getting started. Started. Okay, so there's more more to come. He's going to be a 2,000-yard receiver at some point. Okay, I got one for you. The Rams will never win a Super Bowl with Jared Goff at QB. True. True. He thinks the sun rises in the <laughs> west and sets He doesn't the east. still think that, Paul. Well, 
he probably doesn't, but he did, and he's getting crucified by his coach. <laughs> you just can't make dumb decisions. They, <laughs> it is what it is. You know, some people just never learn. He's one of those guys. He's a he's that kind of guy. I just don't see them winning a Super Bowl. No. Dave Wyman, if you're listening right now, you're welcome. This is just for you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. I don't see them winning with him because of his decision-making. It seems like he's scared. When he gets blitzed, he's scared. He just wants to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible. doesn't matter if you're on his team or you're not on his team. If you have a jersey and a helmet, he will throw you the football, win pressure. He threw a pick to Richard Sherman last week. It was to Richard Sherman. Yes, it was. It wasn't to anybody else. It was to Richard Sherman, and it was because he felt a little pressure. So because of that, I'm with you. Look, I've always felt there are times where you might want to check if someone's colorblind. That was one of them. I go, I think he thinks that his that's his jersey. So, no, he's not. they're not winning the Super Bowl. Not going to win it. They got a brand-new stadium for him down in Cali. He's under, not going to do it. Not going to do it. He's underperforming. Look, next year they're going to have to completely rebuild. I mean, what? The Rams. Completely? Uh, the, uh, look, they're looking at they their got offensive line. They got line. three good running backs. They got two good receivers. I don't know about completely rebuild. They've got, they got two okay receivers. Oh, don't. I like Cup. Don't get me wrong. I like Cup a lot. You don't but, like Woods? No, I think Woods, too. I think they're 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 a notch below our two guys. That's all I'm saying. I don't disagree with that. Okay. All right. Well, coming up next, we'll go inside the film room and revisit the biggest plays from the Seahawks win over the Eagles. That's around the corner right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. New York theme here, Paul. All right, this is Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Hawks Live every Thursday right here at Lumen Field, 710 ESPN. Paul, New York. I want to sing. Who is Come this, on, Paul? Man. Who is this? Way before you were born. It's Frank, buddy. I was going to say, that's the only voice I could like connect with that is Frank Sinatra. This one, I love this song. I love Frank, especially around Christmas time. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, grew up with that stuff. So is it is it Frank and Mariah Carey. Is that, our, <laughs> is that our two right there? No, not even close. <laughs> not even. Who's the Who's the girl? For yeah, Frank Sinatra for Christmas, and it, it's got to be Mariah Carey. Yeah, are you oh, talking about from Christmas. a Christmas album? You talking about for Christmas? Christmas yeah, album. for Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Up there. Um, my <laughs> wife would probably say uh, Celine Dion as well. Celine Dion. I think she has one that she likes. I, so really, my wife's favorite uh, Christmas is by the Carpenters. Look, that's when I go, oh, I, I can't stand it. But she loves it, and so I play it. Hey, like you told me, unhappy wife, unhappy life. You let you make sure she listens to the car. Look, let's not let let's not let the listeners in on everything. <laughs> Real quick though, Christmas and Hollis, run DMC. Run DMC. Oh yeah, yeah that, exactly yeah. what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. Carpenters, okay. ew. God. Hey, look, you know, sometimes you do things because you have to. Hey, we got to figure it out. All right, let's go into this film room right now. All right, the first play we're going to look at is Bobby Wagner breaks up a pass intended for Dallas Goddard. The play fake to Sanders. Wentz steps up in the pocket. He's going to throw deep. Got a man out there. The ball is tipped away. Bobby Wagner gets there and knocks it away from Dallas Goddard. The tight ends coming into tonight had 68 receptions total among the three tight ends. Wentz comfortable going to his tight end. That time, Bobby Wagner running way downfield to make the play, knock that ball away. It's going to bring up third and long. 
You know, again, they're doing some uh, – they, they do some really interesting blitz packages and, and rust packages. This is – they have three wide receivers to our right. You mentioned the tight ends, the third receiver in. It looks like they're playing a form of cover two. And it's kind of hard. That's what the beauty about the Seahawks defense right now is this would be hard for offenses to figure out, okay, where's the ball going? But the reason why we're playing this play, this is such a great play by Bobby Wagner. I mean, he has to run down the middle. Anytime it's cover two, the weakness of that defense is a third wide receiver Mm -hmm. down the middle. And, and, you know, you teach that to your, your youth guys on and on and on. And this is a really good tight end who can flat out run. And why this play's so tough, it's a play action away from him. Bobby's got to now turn and run, and he brings it all the way back from the other side of the hash all the way over to the other side of the numbers. So Bobby runs about 45, 50 yards. He don't make this play. It's a huge play in this game. And it's one of the five three-and-outs they had in the first half. And, uh, again, I thought Bobby, this was his best. I don't know if it was his most productive game. I thought it was his best game, his best reads, his best in zone coverage, his best at filling gaps. I just thought, you know, it was kind of old Bobby Wagner. All right, Paul, so my question to you, was this a Tampa 2 or was this just his rule? If number three <laughs> looks like he's running a deep cross or something like that, he has to run with him. Yeah, this is probably cover 2. Tampa 2, you're dropping the, the middle linebacker, whoever's got the middle of the field in the intermediate route. You drop him deep, and then again, if anybody runs down that middle, you, you run with it. In cover 2, you just... A lot of people call it off on on a three wide receiver set. They'll do more yeah. like a quarter, quarter, half. Yep. That's why I'm not sure if that's what they did. <clears throat> excuse me on that side. But even with quarters, the weakness of that defense. If number two is running down the field, it occupies the free set or the safety. Which that's why I think that might have been the case on that side because number two runs down the seam and it and it occupies digs. Well, again, the backside number three. If he runs down the middle, you've got to run with him. Yep. So I'm not a hundred percent sure of the defense i'm thinking that could have been quarters on that that side uh the back side i think they were playing more of a cover two might have been a little bust in that defense because mm-hmm. i i think he probably should have had help in that that deep half on that back side but the, the point of this play bobby can still run bobby can run yeah and what i like about it is earlier in the season we were talking about the second level dropping to space and not finding work yeah right here bobby dropped to a spot he Looks saw what up. number three was doing he goes look I'm on his hip. I'm running with him and then makes a great play. This, to me, is my favorite play of Bobby so far this year because you expect him to get into the box and stick his nose in there, make the tackle. You don't expect Bobby to flip those hips, turn and run 40 yards down the field. And it's a play action, and that usually frees the linebacker. And it- Sometimes it's just the technique you teach, right? Or you hammer it into their head over and over and over. Play action. You guys have heard me say this a million times. Play action linebackers. Turn and run. Yeah. Just turn and run. And then, because the offensive routes, they're designed to go, they're not changing these routes. It's been going on for 50 years. <laughs> and this is another one. He saw it, he turned, and he can still run. He can still run. All right, next play. You know who can still run? Chris Carson, 16 yard touchdown. The handoff inside to Carson. He finds a hole across the 10, down to the 5. He's driving. He's driving. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Chris Carson. Holy smoke. Carried half of the Eagles defense on his back and scores. The Seahawks go up 13-0. Beautiful hole for Carson up the middle, and he was off to the races. And then it was all Chris Carson's second, third, and fourth effort. 
This ain't nothing but a good old trap right here, Paul. You got your, your center who blocks down on the one tech. You got your guard who pulls over to the three. You got your other guard who gets to the linebacker, Singleton, who was their number one tackler for the Philadelphia Eagles. Then after that, all you're doing is giving Chris Carson space to work. Once the linemen do what they have to do and Chris Carson gets to that third level, you got some receivers blocking. But at some point, it just becomes, look, I'm stronger than you. I want this more than you. I've been on the bench for four weeks. I'm fresh. I'm going to show you why I need a big contract next year. And that's exactly what Chris Carson does. We've been missing this for four Mm -hmm. weeks. I didn't realize, what's that song? You don't know what you got till it's gone. It was gone. <laughs> and then I saw it, and I was like, that's what we've been missing. I love this run. There's there's a lot of great things here. And you, as you mentioned, you got a trap. you got a potty who's the one who, again, got center blocks back. you got a potty who is going to kick out their tackle. It's actually a good job by Damian Lewis. He sets initially back, which makes the tackle go upfield just enough. It's, it's an inch, right? But you mentioned Chris Carson. Here, here's the difference. Chris has to read number 49, their middle, their linebacker here. And, you know, if the guy jumps outside when uh, Damian Lewis comes to to block him, then he's got to split that that run. And there's just a toughness about him. I think people forget how good of a decision maker Carson is in his running game Mm -hmm. on his cuts and how he... He plays off the, the, the lineman blocking. And, you know, Carlos Hyde, I think, is really good. But, you know, to me, Carson is, is that Pro Bowl kind of guy that we've missed. And that's the way he finished it. I, I wish you guys could see this. If you get a chance, go online and, and watch this play. Go watch the Seahawks players and how excited they are for Chris Carson. Yes. And go watch Philadelphia, how demoralized they are on that play. And that is a game changer emotionally. You pay this man next year, Paul? Yeah, I got that question asked today uh, earlier. Absolutely. I think he's a top five running back. It's a shame he got a little hurt this year. But there are two guys, to me, because of injuries, that are going to get paid a lot of money. One of them is Dak Prescott. They are finding out what it's like with life without him. And we found out what life was like without Chris Carson. And you have to have in this offense that kind of runner. I, I don't know what he's going to get paid. Mm-hmm. You know, again, there's guys who catch the ball a ton and they get paid a little bit more. He's going to get paid, and I think the Seahawks are going to find a way to make that work. They got to make it happen. I'm with you there, Paul. All right, the next play, Russell Wilson finds DK Metcalf for 31 yards down the sideline over Darius Slay. Play fake, here comes the rush, and Russell's going to throw deep over the top. Got a man out there, reaching up, making the catch. Guess who? DK Metcalf over the top of Darius Slay. I might be a little bit sore, but who cares? Because I'm a Megatron. I'm going to reach up and catch this perfectly thrown ball with one arm over Darius Slay for a big first down. Are you kidding me? Well, I just like the way they design plays to get one-on-one matchups. You know, they run the slant up top, and that pulls a corner and a linebacker. There's no way the free safety can get over the top to the sideline. There's Earl Thomas in his heyday when he was, you know, at top speed was maybe a guy could make a hit on it, but he's not going to make this play. And this is one we talked about earlier. Is he going to be the greatest receiver of, of his generation? Hill can't make this play. You know, if they're running stride for stride with them. And I would argue, I would love to see a race between DK and, and Hill. I think he'll probably get them. But 
um, 100 would be a little closer. It's just the strength of DK. It's his size. I mean, you can't teach this. I yeah. mean, he doesn't have him beat. It's a fantastic throw, by the way, Russell. That first throw, again, the, the long one, our first touchdown. Yeah. I, we, you know, again, DK had so many nice play here plays. We didn't get a chance to do this one because Carlos Hyde on that picked up the blitzer and annihilated him. Mm-hmm. Annihilated him. But that throw, it, under pressure, what Russell Wilson did – you know, he, he, part of this is how great a throw it is, but the strength of DK Metcalf, that's what really makes him special. Yeah, Paul, I call this like a verification play. You're going to line him up in the slot. What are they going to do? Is Slay going to follow him into the slot? This is where they know, like, okay, Slay's going to follow him. We're going to take we're gonna take our shots like we've been doing all year. And now just a good design. Like you mentioned, you got DK in the slot. You got Demo outside. He's going to run the slant. Demo's not getting this football. Russell knows where he's going. As soon as he figures out that they're on man defense, he knows that there's going to be a lot of space on the sideline for DK to play with. And what Russell does is for .5 seconds, he puts his eyes on the safety. And the safety just drops right down the middle of the field. If Russell were to look left any quicker than that, then maybe this this safety is there to make a play, but I still feel like DK makes that play. Now, DK is not even open. This is a 50-50 football. Yeah. And DK just no, goes up. No, no, no. This is a 90-10 football. 90-10? <laughs> it's 50-50 for everybody else. <laughs> but it's a 90-10 for DK. All right. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll take that. Close. I'll take that. But I just – I like that they're taking the shots, and even with DK being pretty much covered, he's coming down with the football. He it, is covered. It might not look pretty, but he came down with it one hand, muscled that thing, and got it done. I'll take it every day of the week. I know we got a break, but think of the corners that he's had to go up against this year. Yeah. There's only been one that's kind of, I don't even want to say schooled him, because he was open more than we thought after yeah. we watched the film, Ramsey. and that was Ramsey. Yeah. But uh, Ramsey has that size and speed to, to kind of hang with him. But he's gone up against Slay, Gilmore, and he's schooled some big-time pro bowlers. He's gone up against those guys, and he's the leading receiver in the NFL. Is that crazy? Crazy. 1,039 yards. And Come not, on, DK. And, and not even close to the most targets. No, not even close. Not even close. Not even close. All right, well, coming up next on Hawks Live, me, Michael Bumpus, and him, Paul Moyer. We'll go around the NFL. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks live every Thursday from Lumenfield at 7 o'clock, 17 ESPN. I'm Michael Bumis. That is Paul Moore. We are going around the NFL, and the first topic we're going to talk about, the Broncos were forced to activate a practice squad receiver who played quarterback once upon a time in college, and this man went, what, like one for nine for 200, something crazy like that. I think that is ridiculous, Paul. They are forcing this team to go out there. I I get the decision-making by the quarterbacks of the Broncos didn't help the situation, but you postponed games before. Hook a brother up. It's not the team they played's fault, right? So why should you penalize them and say, we've got to postpone this because we had three knuckleheads or four knuckleheads that didn't follow the rules, and they got sick. And I think that's what they kind of said from the get-go. Um, you know, there's some things, look, if it was prevalent throughout the team, they, they've got some protocols for that. You got four, you know, it's like, hey, I, I got hung over last night, all three of us. We can't <laughs> play. We got to postpone it. You know, so I don't feel sorry for them, 
Um, I'm, I'd be curious what your your texters are texting in on this because everybody's talked about it. I I I hate it, and it's not fair to the rest of the league necessarily. But this is such a weird time that it is what it is. You know, move on. They weren't they weren't going to beat Denver. wasn't going to beat them anyways. I feel like at least let them bring in a quarterback. Let, let they bring, did. Look, what? let them bring them a legitimate quarterback. Let them bring them in. Could and you let play, them play quarterback? Let's think about that. You're I can Seahawks. play any position you need me to play. Paul, right, exactly. Boy. That's what I'm thinking. I go what? <laughs> Dial me up. One for nine. Run some screens. Run some bubble screens. Run. Do something. I mean, part of me is on coaching. You, you give them something. I thought their defense did a great job, and it was a fun story to, and, and a fun game to kind of watch. All right, so we're talking about COVID and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Ravens and the Steelers, yeah. they were supposed to play on Thanksgiving. No, 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 play on Sunday. No, 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 no play no. on Monday. No, no, play on Tuesday. Matter of fact, you're going to play on Wednesday at 1240 when Michael Bumpus and Paul Moore are eating lunch, and you can watch a fo- uh, NFL football game on the Wednesday. What are your thoughts about that whole situation? Well, I'm going to be honest. I was in my office. And in my office, I got like a 70-inch TV. Flex. And I flipped that thing on. I'm doing some Zoom meetings, and I move the, the, the thing a little bit. And I'm watching that as we're doing some, some meetings. So those who are listening and now know why I was distracted, I had no problem with it. No problem. Not, you know, look, I and we're just such a weird time. And that's, again, that's one of them. It wasn't three quarterbacks. It was a team issue. They had protocols behind it. Mm-hmm. I thought the weird part, though, was when Tomlin said, we basically played like a junior varsity. He was mad at his team for not playing well offensively, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I go, okay, you, you guys were supposed to play Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Now we're playing Wednesday afternoon. You've had over... What ten days to prepare for this team? I want to see Tomlin. You played football. I mean, my emotion was up. I was down. I'm back up. I'm down. I mean, by Wednesday, I'm like, really, are we going to play? And they didn't even know if they were going to play Wednesday. So you're giving them an excuse. I just thought uh, the reason why they paid Tomlin the big bucks is he can actually go and crucify his team and get away <laughs> with it. Because I think that was impressive. Hey, eleven and zero. 11 they, so, they are the most fraudulent 11 and 0 team thank I you. can remember. Thank you. My, I, I don't I don't buy it. I just don't buy this. My son-in-law, we were texting last night and I said, "You know, I think they're going to go undefeated." Until I looked at their schedule. They still got a tough schedule left. Mm-hmm. And I go, "They're not even that good." And he goes, "They're undefeated." And you say they're going to they're going to go undefeated and you say, "But they're not that good." And I go, "Yeah, I know that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it?" <laughs> but they're not. Th- they're not that good offensively. Defensively, Keith Butler played with the guy. He's their defensive coordinator for Pittsburgh. They get after people, yeah. and they got some talent there. Yeah. All right. So now the 49ers are moving to Arizona. All their football operations are down there. They're going to be golfing every day. Golfing every day. So does that help the the mind state of that team that they're relaxed? They're golfing. You know, they're hey some some are, are away from their crazy wives or ex wives or whatever they got going on over there. Does that help this team or does that hurt this team? Well, there's a reason why they put players up in a hotel the night before the game, so they don't get any kind of emotional <laughs> fight with their their significant other and uh, affect the game. I, I think that can be a camaraderie, partly because there's nothing to do. 
It's not like I can go out and get in trouble. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know for sure, you know, asking for a friend, but my guess is strip clubs are probably shut down. I would think so. Maybe. I don't know. Bars, we know most places are. And I'm not sure what Arizona is. Weather's good. We can kind of hang outside. Arizona is the Florida of the West, by the way. Uh, absolutely. So, so it, might, be, it might still be going down. No, I mean as far as the approach to Oh, you're talking about the COVID, strip club. They might just be like, hey, go ahead and do your thing as long as there's a plexiglass <laughs> no. in front of you. No, that's against the rules. We, <laughs> look, there's no, they wouldn't do that. But I think it actually, I'm concerned for the 49ers. And what I mean by that is I don't want them to get on a roll. They're getting healthy. Yeah. They, they, they've always had that edge about them. They got a good defense. Too, no, man. there's no question. Number six defense in the league. Yeah, they still, they still get after you. Last week, you know, who they played, Goff, I mean, I, I hope they lose this weekend. I, so we need to put them out of their misery. Doug Peterson, yeah, Was- a Washington native, Washington native. Yeah. Is he the next guy to be fired? He, he's a homeless guy. Like, there's so many of them. Crazy. I mean, I think uh, Keith Gilbertson. I think uh, yeah. uh, um, uh, drawing a blank on Dennis Erickson. A bunch of Peterson. Um, I don't think so. I think you win a Super Bowl. It, it buys you about five years. Five? I think so. I mean, he probably signed a brand new contract after he won the Super Bowl. Um, they're wrong on Wentz, no question. I don't understand why they didn't play Hurts last week. They put him in for – he completed his passes. What is that? I, that's what frustrates me the most. If you're going to let – if you're going to put the kid in the game, give him a series. What the heck are two plays going to do? He had one play where there was a penalty. The next play he throws a dart and completes a pass. Let the kid go. I think what, what happened was they looked down the sideline and saw the, uh, the redhead beard. All pouty and stuff, and like you know what? Let, let, let's get him back in. Let Hurts go. If you're going to put him in the game, let him go. I don't understand that move at all. Yeah, I mean, you take away reps during practice. Um, you know, look, I Wentz, a nice guy. You know, you you root for nice guys. If you if you took away the last drive of the first half, they went 75 yards and they got lucky because they didn't call a grounding call penalty, which it was absolutely grounding. The ball never got to the line of scrimmage. Yep. That They would have been off the field. Instead, they and then we get a, a horse, whatever, lousy call on uh, hands to the face on, I think, Flowers or somebody. They, they So he gets 75 yards there, and then the last drive of the game, he gets another 55 yards. That's 130 of his 210 yards. I mean, we hold him to nothing. So I think that they got to make a change. I think Peterson survives another year. All right, real quick, Paul. We got about thirty to forty seconds. The Saints nine and two, number one in the NFC. Do you see them falling? They got the Falcons, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Vikings, and the Panthers. Do the Seahawks catch them? We got to run the table, but yeah, I think we do. Um, they're going to lose at least two games. Two. So yeah. I would say with Chiefs and Vikings, you think they lose those two? Yeah. I mean, the Panthers aren't even that bad. Um, New Orleans without Breeze. When Breeze comes back, that's a different story. Yeah, but they're not. They're not beating a bunch of good teams with uh, with their current guy. Not their not current guy. Taysom Hill. He has to be a quarterback. He's an athlete who can throw the football. He reminds me of myself in high school, Paul. Does Barrett. he? Athlete who can throw the football. I like that. Yeah. See, it, see, Denver could have used you. Denver could have used me. Hey, if they give me some sprint outs and all that stuff, I don't know. If, hey, I'm not dropping. In you're the not playing for five million a year. Both. That you look. You have more integrity than that. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing for five million. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Coming up next, we'll give you our final thoughts and the Seahawks keys of victory right here on Hawks Live. 
Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks Live, every Thursday, right here on 710 ESPN at 7 o'clock. We're at Lumenfield. I'm hanging out with Paul Moyer. I'm Michael Bombas. Final thoughts coming up, Paul. I'm going to take offensively, offensively, the Hawks murder the Giants in every category. Really? All right. The Hawks are number five in total offense. Giants are 29. Hawks are fourth in passing. The Giants are 28. Hawks are 12. This is where it gets close. Hawks are 12. The Giants are 15. When it comes to putting points on the board, the Hawks are number three. The Giants are number 30. So there's nothing on paper that says that the Giants should be able to run with the Hawks, keep up with the Hawks, but we all know how this game goes. This is NFL. This is football, baby. The the Giants have been in almost every game. There's only been two games where it it may have gotten away from them, but they've lost a lot of two, three-point games along the way. They're very sound. They play really good team defense, play a soft shell, cover two, mix up you know a few blitzes here, and they're not going to overwhelm you, but you're going to have to work for every yard, and, and you have to be patient. It's gonna You're going to have to be okay going eight, nine plays at times. You're going to have to win on third down, something we haven't done very often. Defensively, we're going to get after them. I, I look, I, I, Colt McCoy. You know, they they don't have Barkley. They don't have their, their quarterback, Jones. Colt McCoy. Are we, are we, are we talking 2010 Texas hook'em Colt McCoy? I, I mean, I didn't. we didn't know he was still in the league. I, didn't. I mean, I didn't. they've got some guy. They got Shepard and they got Tate at wide receiver. None of them are going to overwhelm you. They got, we talked about, you know, they're one of their beat writers, Ingram, their tight end. He didn't like him. He, he likes him athletically, but he doesn't like him as a player. And they, they and no one likes him in New York, right? And, you know, so you got to be a productive guy. So I, this is a game we no way we should lose it. It'll probably be closer than everybody thinks because they play such sound football on both sides of the ball. Uh, the Giants don't. I this is the one game where I go. They just don't have enough horses to beat us. They don't, but they do have Blake Martinez at that linebacker spot. Yeah, ball. he's one guy. Bray, uh, Bradbury at, on the secondary who has yeah. three interceptions. If Jones were to play, this would be the first game, no, the second game all year where the quarterbacks lead both teams in rushing. Last time this happened was Kyler Murray. I'm, I don't know if Russell Wilson led the team in rushing, rushing then, but I would assume that he did. Daniel Jones, he might not play this week, but I'm looking at him on film. Playing. He is faster than people think. It might not look pretty. It looks really stiff. It looks very uh, forest looking, but uh, he gets it done. But we're going to see Colt McCoy, so that's the one thing that the Hawks aren't going to have to worry if about. If Daniel Jones was playing, I, I might have a different tune because you're right. I, there was a play I was watching, and his explosiveness, there was two guys about to tackle him, and he put on the Jets. It, it freaked me out. I was like, okay, whoa, I didn't know this guy could run like that. Okay, you know, Too many dumb interceptions just probably kills him. They don't have him. They don't have Barkley. They got a good defense, not a great defense. We're going to win this game. Do you remember that game against – the Bucks, I want to say. Which one? Daniel Jones. Uh, Giants versus the Bucks. Uh, okay. he, he tossed a touchdown to Golden Tate. 
to send it into overtime or tie it up or something like that. And he looks so sweet. I'm like, oh, man, Danny Dimes looks good. And then he tosses a pick where he's getting pulled down to the ground and he tosses it to the sideline. Yeah, dumb, I mean, dumb decisions. Again, we're not going to see him, but no. that's the only guy we have on film to analyze. So I'm going to I'm gonna focus on him. That feels like the New York Giants to me, to where they look good for a player or two, and then they're the New York Giants after that. Yeah, they'll they'll you know Colt McCoy can run a little, you know he can throw that five to, you know six yard pass. I I just don't think they have the weapons to beat us over the top. You got to keep an eye on Ingram. That's that's yeah. the big one. I think defensively they're going to make us work really hard. It's going to be that we we heard from Shoddy. You got to be really patient. It may not look pretty the way they they play defense. It really makes you work hard. Um, doesn't mean I don't see a lot of three and outs, but it's just it's going to be some long drives. They're gonna, they're they're really about hey, we're going to play twenty through the twenty. They tighten it up in the in the red zone. Um, it, it's going to be a clo- it'll be in a fourth quarter game probably. We're not losing this game. You know what I hope? I just hope the Hawks aren't listening to us right now because we feel really confident about this game. But we both know never that done. this is the NFL. <laughs> no, there's never Any, yeah. anybody can get it. Anybody can get it. Now this is the one game where you're just looking at your star players. Our star players are so much better than their star players. Yeah, uh, you know the rest is it's pretty close. But you know I'm looking at our wide receivers. We're so much better at wide receiver. We're so much better at running back. We're so much better at quarterback. Our secondary, their secondary is pretty pretty good. Our secondary is getting really good. Uh, we're just a better football team. And if we don't turn the ball, so what's the key of the game? Man, just don't turn the ball over. We don't turn the ball over. We're, we're winning this game. Don't, and I don't say that often, which scares me. Don't turn the ball over. This defense, the Giants, they're number five against the rush. Hawks are number three against the rush. That might be what, what it comes down to when it comes to stats or whatnot. We shall see, Paul, but I think we're on the same page. They shouldn't lose this game, right? No, no way. All right. Well, special thanks. We're about to close this thing out. Special thanks to Paul Schwartz, Ugo Amadi, and John Clayton for joining the show He's our board operator, Tariq. Also, we got NASA Choby on the ones and twos on the background. The Seahawks pregame show is live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bombas, with Paul Moyer. We'll be back in a couple weeks right here on Hawks Live.